beloved, welcome to My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. My name is Nisi, and this is episode 30, 20-something. I hope this episode finds you well. I wanted to start off by first thanking all of you who have left ratings and comments for the podcast on iTunes. In the last episode, I urged you and asked for all of you who enjoy the podcast to rate it on iTunes so that I could hit a goal for 2017 to have 50 ratings. And as of today, I just checked and I have 55. Thank you so much for not only listening to the podcast, but engaging, for leaving your feedback, for sharing this podcast with other people that you think would enjoy it. This truly is a passion project of mine, and I don't get paid to do this. I'm not sponsored, even though I'd love to expand the podcast, and if you know, if you have any kind of business arrangement that you want to slide my way, feel free to do so. But you know, this is something that I enjoy doing, and I'm happy to see the feedback, and I'm also happy to walk into 2018 knowing that you're not just listening, but you're engaging with what we're talking about here. So if you haven't done so, go ahead and pause the podcast right now and leave a five-star rating on iTunes. It's free, and it really helps the podcast grow. I've also had people messaging me um, on my Tumblr, which is yourbigsisnisi.tumblr.com, about how to support the podcast maybe if you don't have iTunes. You can support the podcast by also listening on SoundCloud. You can also support the podcast by uh, following on Twitter. The Twitter handle is MSMS Podcast, so it's M as in Mary. You can also follow on Instagram, which is my strength and my shield, all one word. And the Twitter is more so my random thoughts, and sometimes it, I do retweet things that are relevant to spiritual growth, and I'll often, you know, tweet what I hear in church and things like that. Instagram is more like a daily inspirational post and things like that, which can help keep you encouraged. So those are some ways to just keep connected to the podcast. If you want to support in other ways, like I said, if you're maybe a small business owner and you like to sponsor the podcast, feel free to do so. Or if you're someone who has other creative endeavors, maybe you have a blog or a podcast and you'd like to work on or collaborate with me, feel free to reach out to me at any time. My email address is strengthandshieldpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. So again, thank you so much for the support so far. I'm really excited for 2018. I do believe that I'm going to be going to a every other week schedule. So look out for the podcast episodes every other week. Uh, also, in addition, like I do on this podcast often, you know, I share pieces of myself with you guys. And I've shared in the past that I'm going to therapy, and my decision to go to therapy was based off of, not to say that there was one big crisis moment that pushed me to go to therapy, but I have a job that's, you know, very stressful. I am a criminal defense attorney. I represent poor clients. You know, I'm a public defender. And life is just stressful in general, and I wanted to have therapy be something that's constant in my life that it's more so for maintenance than anything else so that if I really do enter into a place where I do have a crisis mode that I'm not scrambling to find a therapist I have someone that I've consistently been talking to where I'm committing to self-care and reflection at least once a week so that's why I got into therapy and now we're starting to get into the meat of some of the things that I really did need to go to therapy for and it's been put into my spirit in January of 2018 that it's time to let things go. God has been telling me, let it go, let it go, let it go over and over again. And as 
excited as I am to kind of get into the meat of what I am going to therapy for, I realize that there's a lot of my childhood that I packed away. Maybe it's out of survival, maybe it's out of pain, maybe it's just because the mind remembers what it wants to remember. But I want to share with you guys how important it is to take time to unpack your childhood, whether you had a traumatic childhood or not. Who you are today is a direct result of how you were raised. And the things that happened to you as early as two or three or four years old may have a direct relationship with how you are today. A good therapist will help you to connect the dots. So some of the things with you deal, that you deal with today, when you're like, where did that come from? Or why did I react like that? Or I didn't expect to blow up like that. Where did it come from? All of those things sometimes are rooted in maybe some issues that we haven't been dealing with and that may even go as early as our childhood. So I really encourage you to take some time to discover who you were so you can figure out who you are today. Whether that is to go to therapy and to really unpack those things or to even have conversations with some relatives where you're like, hey, I, haven't, I don't really remember the kind of kid I was or how would you describe me? I've said before that any family member that talks about me as a kid, they never have any pleasant stories. It's always about how I was bossy and I wouldn't share my toys and I have godmothers that used to babysit me where I would sit in my stroller and refuse to get out until my mom came and got me. So I would sit in my stroller for six hours and they'd have to feed me in the stroller because I refused to get out and they could only take me out if I fell asleep. That's not what we're here for. The point is a lot of who you are today is a reflection of how you were raised. And this could also be a good time to have a conversation with your parents to talk to them about how they were raised because it can provide some clarity for the ways that they raised you and why they did the things that they did. If you really did have a traumatic childhood, of course I'm going to encourage you to seek therapy because those kinds of unpacking, you kind of need someone that can guide you through it because you don't want to re-traumatize yourself and it may take a delicate touch but I do think it's important regardless to tap into your childhood, how you were raised, to uncover some of those memories to help you figure out what's going on with you today. So as you can see from the title, you know, this podcast is about 20-somethings. I'm a 20-something. And before we get into the topic, as always, I want to move forward with prayer. So if you're able to, can you just close your eyes and we'll move forward with prayer. And if you're not able to close your eyes, just lend your spirit in my direction. Dear Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to have a conversation. And anytime I come here on the podcast, my goal is always to have a conversation. I pray that people know that when we're talking about the conversation of 20-something, it's not just for people who are 20-something. It could be for people who are approaching that age, you know, teenagers trying to figure out what does 20-something look like. And it could be for people who are 30-something or 40-something that want to kind of relate back to how their 20s were as an explanation for where to go in those next stages of life. As we seek you every single day, I pray that we allow ourselves to be open to you ordering our steps. A lot of time the frustrations that we have are because we think our life is supposed to be a very specific way. And if we are not that person or we don't hit those certain benchmarks, we convince ourselves that we're failures. But you remind us every single day, every single day, that whether we make a mistake and we will always make mistakes, or whether we're walking in, per in line with the purpose you have for us, you love us. 
You created us to be exactly who we are. You've ordered every step that we have. You've counted every hair on our head. And I pray that we stop looking at ourselves like failures, that we stop feeling like we're not where we're supposed to be. Just because you haven't reached that finish line doesn't mean that you're a failure. In fact, the finish line is death. So to be in a rush to get there is a, a waste of time. You've allowed us to be in this moment for a reason. Allow us to pause, to have a conversation, to reflect on this very moment so we can make sure that we're moving forward with purpose, not out of fear that we're not hitting those benchmarks or that we're not doing what everyone else is doing. Allow us to take the moments to breathe, to reflect, to discover who we are through you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. first part of this podcast, we are going to begin with some spiritual work. And as always, with all of the episodes that I have, I do have a worksheet that accompanies this episode. So if you can, just head over to www.mystrengthandmyshield.com, and there you'll find the worksheet that's going to have the Bible verses that we'll be discussing today. And it also will have all of the worksheets that we've had for this podcast. The good thing is that with each episode, you get that it's something that you can save to your desktop so that you can reflect on it later. You can either use it as you're listening to the podcast or save it for reflection later and even save up all of the worksheets together so you kind of have something that you can refer to depending on different things that you're going through. So head over to www.mystrengthandmyshield.com and let's get started with the spiritual work section. So I was in church on Sunday and pastor was truly preaching. He talked about how a lot of saints in church want to look down on young people, but they were saved when they were 30, 40, 50 years old. And he said, you have no idea how hard it is to be a teenager and serve the Lord. You have no idea how hard it is to be a 20-something and serve the Lord. And when he said that, I truly felt like he was speaking to me. After church, I told pastor that I fought the urge to shout amen when he said that part because it hit me square in the chest. Being a person of faith at 28, and I really started my walk at around 22. So 22, 23 is when I committed myself to my faith. I was saved when I was 16, baptized when I was 16. You know, I was a, a teenager trying to figure out my Christianity, even though I wasn't raised Christian, and trying to figure that stuff out. Then I went to college, lost my way like everybody does, and then recommitted after I graduated. And it's hard because this time when you're in your 20s are the ages when we're all figuring out boundaries and making mistakes and developing accountability and self-awareness. And it's also the time when you're, you're still at that age, you're not a teenager, but we're still susceptible to peer pressure, so you still want the approval of everybody else, but you're doing something that directly goes against what everyone else seems to be doing. Now, of course, I say seems to be because everyone is living their own life, and sometimes what you see on the outside is not what's going on on the inside, but you're in this place where you're trying to figure out your path, your walk, and you're still looking around for approval. 
then it hits you that no one's going to say good job when I say that I'm waiting until marriage for sex. No one is going to say congratulations when I pick a job that brings me closer to God, but maybe not to that big paycheck. And no one is going to throw me a parade when I do Bible study or daily devotional every morning. And I had to accept that seeking God is about me. But that's still with me recognizing that in your 20s, it's hard at an age when you're saddled with the expectations of everyone and trying to figure out, are those expectations actually mine? Are those realistic? And are those God's expectations of me? So that's the spirit that we're walking into this conversation. And I'm going to start with Bible study and just talk about growth and growing up and maturity. And then going into the self-care section of this podcast, it's just going to be me talking from my experience as a 20-something, quickly <laughs> approaching being a 30-something. So if you could turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. The reason why I picked this Bible verse is because it's an acknowledgement that as you're growing, there are things that you're learning and also things that you have to let go. So when you're trying to decide what it means to be an adult, it means sometimes taking on responsibilities and letting go of things that you thought were okay when you were a kid. So that's a lot of the trouble that I've seen just in my 20-somethings is figuring out what do I take with me from my childhood and my teenage years and what do I let go? How do I decide who I am? if I'm constantly changing. And the important thing about this Bible verse is it acknowledges that there's a transition phase, that God doesn't tell you who you're gonna be as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, but that it's a continual process of learning what you have to give up. It's an acknowledgement that when you're a kid, you make mistakes, and people don't hold you to the mistakes that you make as a kid because they're saying, oh, you're young. But one of the hardest things about being 20-something is that people stop allowing you to have the space to mess up, and they stop providing you with excuses. So all that's left is you having to be responsible for the choices that you make. And that's hard, you know? To make that transition from if you fall, someone being there to catch you, and now if you fall, you stay down unless you pick yourself up. And it's a, this Bible verse really talks about maturity and the process and the fact that God sees that process. And as you're going through it, where you're going from being a child to growing up, there are things you're going to have to let go and things that you're going to pick up. And who you are as a person is something that you discover through discovering your relationship with God. In Ephesians 4, verse 15 through 16, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is properly working, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from which the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love.
the reason why this Bible verse is so powerful is because it truly goes and extends the analogy of the body of Christ, right? Because Christ is the head, and he's the head of our faith, right? He's our Lord and Savior. He gave his life so that we could have a relationship with God. And when we're thinking about the fact that he gave his life so that we can live life more abundantly, it's an acknowledgement that without God, our life is dead. But with God, we have life and we can live it more abundantly. So we have the analogy where Christ is the head, but there's also that every person, as we're growing, we also discover our place in the body. That the body of Christ works when we're sitting squarely in the place where we're supposed to be. So there's a lot of analogies in the Bible, right, where it's talking about, you know, the, the function of the foot or the hand or the heart or the different parts of your body that the hand by itself would be useless unless it was connected to something. You know, the, the idea that we all have a place in the body of Christ. This is important because this Bible verse connects us both to the fact that we have to figure out our purpose so that we can help the body of Christ grow, but it mentions twice in one verse the importance of love. I think one of the things that a 20-something does is they beat themselves up and they're not compassionate with themselves. We are called to be loving to everybody, and that in and of itself is a huge task. But that task seems impossible when we start talking about how do you talk to yourself? That in the process of growing up and discovering your place in the body of Christ, how are you talking to yourself? Are you calling yourself a failure? Are you upset with yourself that you don't have things figured out? Are you upset because at 22 you thought you'd figure out the place that you have in the body of Christ and because you don't have that, now you're mad? You have to watch the way that you talk to yourself. Because in order for the body of Christ to be built on love, all of its working parts have to be built on love as well. So it doesn't make sense for you to discover your purpose but to be mad the entire time. That God puts you in a leadership position but you're miserable. Or God puts you in the support position but you're miserable. And then you call yourself Christian and people wonder, where's your joy? Understand that this is a process. No one is gonna show up and tell you what you're supposed to do. It is about discovery. It is about trying new things, failing, picking yourself up. It is a process. And the sooner that you accept that it's a process, the easier your 20s become. Because trust me, you still have that process when you're 30, and you're 40, and you're 50. My mom is 55, and she's currently taking night classes because she's trying to expand her career. She's been a social worker since she was 20-something. And now she's still figuring out her place in the world. You have to figure out your purpose and also ground yourself in love because that's what you're called to do. You don't just want to be in the world and in the body of Christ. You want to build yourself up with love. And that requires speaking in truth. That requires honesty. But it also requires compassion and empathy with others and also with yourself. Proverbs 13, verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. The, righteous. the reason why I picked this Bible verse is that one of the things that helps me to stay motivated is thinking about the legacy that I'm trying to build, right? There is an understanding that 
you know, life is short and not everything that the world needs is going to be achieved in our generation. People who were in the civil rights movement acknowledged that some of the trauma and the struggle they were going through were not going to benefit them. There's a lot of people who marched and lost their lives for the right to vote in America that never saw uh, you know, our first black president. But that doesn't mean that the work isn't important. So I do wanna say that if you find yourself trying to figure out your purpose and it's like you feel like there's a deadline, understand that you can lay a foundation today that generation upon generation can build upon. One of the things that I saw, I went and I visited Jamaica for the first time in 20 years. And I went to, um, there's a place in Jamaica that's called Buckley Town. And that's my grandmother's maiden name. And we grew up learning about Buckley Town and they would tell us, oh, there's an entire town of people that look just like you. And me and my cousins would roll our eyes because it's like, y'all talk about Buckley Town and it doesn't really exist. And I went there and I saw it. And I saw that it was a, a land where different people, only people who were named Buckley could build on that land. And how important that having that land that was for your family meant that you could build up. Because my grandmother was poor, but she always had land in Buckley Town. It's important that we think not just about this generation, but the next one and the next one. And I know that that's hard because sometimes it's like, are we living in the end of days? But realizing that the life that God has for you, whether it's through your direct descendants or if you have nieces, nephews, God, kids, and all of those things, understand that the work that you're doing now is not just about you. And when you attach yourself to a bigger, larger purpose, life can be more meaningful. That's what it means to grow up, is that it's not just about you anymore. You don't have someone that, you know, your parents are specifically telling, they tell you what to wear, what to eat, they give you allowance. When you're an adult and you're growing up and you're standing on your own two feet, it's not just about how you carry yourself, but how you treat the people around you and the legacy that you're leaving. That can be a legacy in terms of money or land, or it could be a legacy of kindness, that if you're a person that was abused as a child, you can make sure that that cycle doesn't continue. Thinking about the inheritance that the people after you will have can help you feel like you have purpose and meaning because you understand that there's a legacy that will be here long after you're gone. And finally, Hebrews verse 5, 12 through, um, chapter 5, verse 12 through 13, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. This word goes out to any person who has been calling themselves Christian for years, but has not been working on a relationship with God. You may know the same old story in the Bible. You may know of Moses and Adam and Eve and um, getting out of Egypt and all of the things in Exodus or in um, Genesis. You might know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Take this time as you're growing up and also developing your faith to reach back and figure out why you believe what you believe. 
I know that there are parts of the Bible that I'm still wrestling with. I do not pretend to be a scholar. I am a person that is rooted in the word, that when I'm stressed, I turn back to the word because the word of God provides a solution for every single issue that we have. I promise you, anything you're facing today, someone in the Bible had to deal with it. I promise you. I promise you. The important thing that I'm trying to encourage you is to get back to the basics. That's what the word says. It says you need someone to teach you again the basic principles. You might be on shaky ground because you're praying to a God that you don't know. You might be on shaky ground because you're calling yourself Christian and you don't know what that means. If a part of your identity is your spirituality, and I believe that no matter what religion you're in, everyone has a spirit and everyone has spirituality that can root you into this world and also help you to be connected to the greater cosmos. If you find yourself not sure, start at the beginning. Who is God? What does it mean to be a servant of God? A lot of us get upset with God because we treat him like a genie. And if we don't get what we want, God is not listening to us. A lot of us get upset with God when we don't get what we want and we forget that it's the will of God that we should be praying about. A lot of us don't know how radical Christ was, that he truly came to shake the table, that he came here to disrupt hypocrisy and greed and violence, and he came here to preach about love. A lot of you might have an understanding of Christianity based off of what's portrayed in the media. And with those zealots, bigoted Christians, the people that call themselves Christians who are Republicans, who would vote such a man, such a creature into office, an admitted sexual predator, an admitted evil person, racist, bigoted, sexist, you need to define for yourself what your faith is. Being an adult is about responsibility and accountability, and I encourage you to be accountable to your faith. And that means you have to know what you believe. You should operate as a Christian with the understanding that one day you might come up against a non-believer, and you are the only thing that is a gateway to them having a relationship with God. That if you were suddenly to be on a bus and to have a conversation with a non-believer, and they might look and see that you're reading your scripture, or they might see that you have a cross on your neck, and they might say, hey, tell me about this Jesus person. And if you can't preach a message of love and the only image that they have is what's in the media, they're going to walk away with a different understanding of who our God is. Get back to basics. Hold yourself accountable to your relationship with God. Be an adult. Be an adult and see that a part of growing up, a part of, you know, you, you were acted one way as a child and you had to give it up. You have to figure out your purpose and your place in the body of Christ. You have to think about your legacy. And all of those things, you have to start at the beginning. You gotta go back to the basics. Some of you might want to go ahead and get a Bible study plan where you read the Bible in a year. I personally think there are better Bible study plans um, that are more guided. There's one that's even um, to read the Bible in two years, which I think is better because if you're really gonna tackle the text and not just read the word, I do encourage you to really sit down and wrestle with it. And just trying to read the whole Bible in one year, you can kind of miss the message and miss opportunities to pray. But whatever it takes, start at the beginning. Get back to the Gospels. Read a book that you've never come across. Learn about Ruth. Learn about Hannah. Learn about some of the women in the Bible that don't get as much shine as they should. Learn about Mary and Mary Magdalene, all of those things. 
Root yourself in the word, get back to basics, and hold yourself accountable for the relationship with God that you do have or that you don't have because you haven't been taking those steps to get closer to God. Now moving on to the second part of the podcast, we're going to move into the self-care section. And I thought that it would be interesting to reach out to some of the people that follow me on Tumblr. And I asked them a question to share with me what's the hardest part of being 20-something. Maximus Cool said, finding love. My dearest Dura said, losing a lot of people you once thought were going to be in your life forever. Music is the soul breathing said, primarily feeling like you're not quite doing what you're supposed to be, alongside doubts about your life choices and feeling far better equipped to make them now as opposed to when you had to. All that stuff together making you anxious. So what I'm getting from that is kind of looking back and you know now you have the tools to deal with it, but in the past you see your mistakes and now it makes you anxious. Daniel Martina, friend of mine, said, being in the life season where I have to sacrifice and hustle to get where I want my future self to be. Elixirs said, relationships, platonic and romantic. Nerding in the trap, sing the weekend. Oh. Nerd in the trap, sing the weekend. You know what, that's probably some kind of reference to a song that completely went over my head. If you caught it, good for you, but that's the person's name on Tumblr. Adjusting, and he says, he or she says, adjusting to everything that comes with being an adult and coming to terms with the fact that things won't be the same as when you were a kid or even a teenager. Being in your 20s is literally the introduction to adulthood. Unsheath said, finding and developing yourself and your craft at your own pace without comparing yourself to others and what they have or what they've done. And Nell Gregg says, and he uses the F word, so I'm gonna replace that with messing, messing up repeatedly and not knowing how to get it right before 30. When I think of what I would consider the 20-something experience, being 20-something means being expected to be an adult while still figuring out what it means to be an adult. Being 20-something means being unsure at a time when you're told that you should have it all figured out. And being 20-something is dealing with the expectations of others while still figuring out who you are. And many 20-somethings live a life where they feel like they're fighting against the clock. We act as if we don't have enough time or that if we don't have things figured out by 30, then we're failures. We want our careers figured out. We want to find out who we're marrying and start having kids. So at our 20s, we have the weight of the world on our shoulders, and we have limited joy because we're so busy comparing our pace to everyone else that we don't even know who we are. We know what we're expected to do, but we don't know about our passions, about our joy, or even how to have healthy relationships. We're so busy just trying to check off the boxes off of our list. We're not living lives that are meaningful. And rushing through our 20s is a mistake because we'll never get those years back. So I'm reflecting on all of this and I'm thinking about all the pressures that we have to be or to achieve or to figure it out. And I was like, what if I told you that it didn't make sense that you have things sorted out in your 20s? Like, what if I told you that there are people that are living up to 60 and 70 and 80 years old, healthy, still discovering their purpose? What if I told you that figuring out who you are 
doesn't make you a failure. It means that you're living life. And what if I told you that no one has it all figured out and anyone who acts like they do is lying or boring because life changes us and at any moment, who you think you are can change. So someone telling you that they have it all figured out and they know who they are, does it mean that they actually know who they are or does it mean that they stopped experiencing life and they know their growth is stunted. They, they've decided that they're gonna stay where they are, they're comfortable where they are, they don't need to discover anything else about themselves or the people around them. They've decided at 20 something, they know exactly who they're going to be for the next 40 or 50 years. I want us to get to the point where thinking that we have things figured out at 20 something is ludicrous. Like that if someone is looking at you at 25 and is like, so how come you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you laugh because it's like, okay, I don't, I mean, it's great when someone figures out who they want to marry at 22, but I mean, for most of us, we're still figuring things out. Like you don't get special points for marrying quickly, you know? And I think a lot of times when people are asking us, when are you getting married and when are you having kids, it's because they kind of just don't know what else to say. These are the cliched questions that people ask, but that doesn't really mean that they actually care about the answer. You know what I'm saying? Like when you have an aunt or an uncle who's, who's casually saying, so when are you getting hitched? It's like, they don't really care. They kind of just don't know what to say because you're a kid and they're still trying to figure out, you know, what exactly they're supposed to say to you. And all they can say is, how's college? You got a boyfriend? What are you gonna do with your degree? These random questions that people ask you don't necessarily have to be the way that you orient yourself. You know what's important for you. Nobody knows you better than you. So let's get rid of, you know, let's have it be ludicrous that someone would think that before 30, you know exactly the next 40 years of your life. That's ridiculous, you know? So I wanted to break it down into some of the things that you know 20 somethings struggle with, both from my experience and also from um, some of the responses that I got from the people who wrote into my Tumblr. And thank you all for submitting kind of the things that you've been struggling with as a 20 something. You know, one of the hardest things, number one, is defining your own relationship with God. You might have grown up in the church or been forced to go to church by your family, but now you're an adult and you no longer have to go to church. So I mentioned earlier that you know I was saved when I was 16, and not to say that I wasn't raised in the church, like I always knew that I was Christian, but my mom forced me to go to church until one day I decided at eight I didn't want to go anymore, and she didn't really make me go. And I kind of rediscovered the faith at 16, but even then I wasn't going to church with my mom. And then I went to college, and in the beginning, I mean, I was always, I was involved with, um, we had a group, House on the Rock. I was also involved with, um, you know, the gospel choir and things like that, which was great. It helped me keep, stay grounded, but I obviously wasn't going to church as much as I wanted to or needed to. When you're an adult, you have to decide what your faith looks like. And I'm not going to fault parents for pushing their kids to go to church. Someone asked me on my Tumblr if I had kids that decided they didn't want to be Christian, would I still make them go to church? Yes, because when I was 12, I also didn't want to go to school, but I had to go, you know? And not to say that I would be the kind of parent that wouldn't have conversation with my kids. I would definitely say, you know, why don't you believe? And, you know, maybe we need to go to a different church or I need to find a way to get them engaged or I need to share more about my personal walk. I think a big mistake parents make is telling people to be Christian because you said so and not really saying, well, when I pray to God, I feel this or I seek God because I love having a relationship with God or I've been through it and God brought me through. 
Now that you're an adult, you have to decide if you're going to church. You have to decide if you're going to pray. You have to decide, do I need to get home at 2 o'clock so I can make it to church the next day? Should I, you know, now that you're 21 and you can drink, do you need to drink in excess so that you can't make it to church? Is it necessary for you to skip that aspect of your spirituality? Is it good for you to skip out on those things? You know the difference between the you that's walking right with God and, and the you that's constantly beating yourself up because you know you should have done Bible study or you should have gone to church. The big part of 20-something is that you need to define your own relationship with God. And that's hard. That's, you know, most people fall off after, after church, I mean, after college, and then they find new faith when they're 30s and their 40s and they have their kids. Or maybe they've gone through it and they've had like a death in the family that reconnected them to God. And I'm encouraging you to find that relationship with God before you get to that point. Have that foundation so that should you ever have kids, you can have those conversations with them. You know, do the work necessary now to find your relationship with God. You know, hold yourself accountable, kind of what we were talking about in the previous Bible verses. Another issue that 20-somethings struggle with is defining your sense of self independent of comparing yourself to others. We live in an age where social media kind of dictates to us how we should live. And I'll share with you something, um, me personally, I've always been a big girl, I've always been heavy. And so there were a couple of Instagrams that I would follow of like plus size models for inspiration and things like that. And then I read an article that said that one of the biggest rises in plastic surgery is actually plus size models. That a lot of them were getting liposuction in their face like to get rid of the double chin. And a lot of them were getting the um, liposuction at their waist. Now, there's nothing wrong with you know plastic surgery, do whatever makes you happy. The reason why it kind of shocked me is like, oh, yes, I kind of thought that all plus size people, you know, maybe naively so, you might be listening and being like, girl, of course, you knew. I mean, I knew about Photoshop, but to hear that that's like a, a rise is, you know, the body positive movement is still full of people, you know, who are altering their bodies and providing an unrealistic expectation, you know, you have to, I had to unfollow all of those people. And I've gotten messages to my Tumblr that's like, I follow people on social media and it makes me feel bad. So unfollow them, log off. I know that social media has permeated us so much that we kind of feel like we, we can't remember the last time you know, that we logged off. Or you know, the other day, I, I unf not unfollowed, I logged off of Instagram and I had to reset my password because I hadn't realized that I had, I didn't know what my password was I'd been on there for so long. Sometimes you have to take a step back. And from a spiritual perspective, it doesn't serve you to be in a situation where you're beating yourself up because you don't look like or you're not traveling like everyone else. There's a difference between seeing someone and being inspired and having it cause you to be jealous. And jealousy is natural. No matter what anyone says, it's, it's natural for you to look at someone else and be like, man, I wish I had that. Now, to, to make yourself feel like a whole person, you have to remind yourself that you have your own path, that you never know somebody else's story, that someone else's relationship goals, you know, I just saw the um, I, Tanya, um, movie with a couple of my coworkers, and she was the figure skater, and it talked about the domestic violence and how she had to use concealer under her eye, and that she just thought that she deserved to be beaten because she was hit by her mom when she was a kid. But on the outside, she's this glamorous figure skater. And little girls are running up to her asking for her, you know, her signature, saying, I want to be like you when I grow up. 
remind yourself that you don't have to be anybody like anybody else. And it's, it's easy to compare yourself to other people, but what's hard is discovering what works for yourself. And it's a distraction to compare yourself to other people. So that's a struggle when you're 20-something, is trying to define yourself independent of comparing yourself. And in order to truly discover yourself, you have to take a step back. And if following people on social media makes that difficult, if it's difficult to see yourself without comparing yourself to that Instagram model, unfollow, log off. Even the most inspirational, the body positive sites, if they're reblogging or retweeting these perfectly shaped women, take a step back. Because like I've said before, you don't have to look perfect in order to be a good person. So if you find yourself constantly saying, I'm not good enough because I don't look perfect, you're, you're not focused on the right thing, beloved. The next thing that is 20-somethings def struggle defining is defining relationships, platonic or romantic. You find that one, friendships are no longer easy to maintain and, having, and you start having to deal with these periods of loneliness. I know for me, one of the hardest things, I went to college in Chicago when I came back to New York, I realized that I didn't have my friends around me. You go from being in a dorm room where you see people, you know, six, seven, eight times a day. You eat lunch together, you eat dinner together, you stay up late together, and then you're by yourself. And you find that friendships are hard to maintain even when you're in the same city. I just had, um, it was my founder's day on January 13th, and I just had dinner with one of my friends. And we've known each other since middle school, since the sixth grade, excuse me, the seventh grade. And, you know, we joked and said, okay, we'll see you, I'll see you in six months. And we joke because I basically see her in the summertime and then maybe we check in in the wintertime, usually around Delta things. But I don't feel bad about that because I realize that life is that sometimes time gets away from you, that the person that you meant to text, that you, you forget to text, and then it one month becomes two months and you feel bad that you didn't respond to that text message. I have a friend of mine that we send each other these long text messages, these long updates, and it takes us a day or two to get back to each other because there's so much to talk about. What I've learned is that friendships just change when you're older. And when you adjust your expectation and realize that friendships when you're younger are often about convenience. You, you're friends with the people you went to kindergarten with because you, know, you all were in the same class together. Or you're, you're friends with the people that lived in your dorm and then when you move to a different dorm, you guys aren't friends anymore. I think the hard part of it is when you start to think that that shift in friendship means that you, it, it's some kind of value judgment on who you are as a person. If you accept that this is a natural part of growing up, then you don't beat yourself up about it. It still sucks. It's still unfortunate when you lose a friend, but you don't tend to, you know, when you accept that this happens, that this is a part of life, that, you know, and you doesn't even have to be on some, well, I'm cutting people off, you know, and that's a whole different conversation because, I used to be a person that's like, I'm easy cutting people off, but then I realized that what that was was me refusing to engage in conversation and allowing myself to just cut people off, which can sometimes be really hurtful, but we'll have that chat a different day. So when you accept that friendships are not gonna be easy to maintain, but they're still worth it when you're older, you can have a friend that you see maybe once a year or every other year, or you call every so often and see that that's still a meaningful friendship, even if you guys aren't bestie, bestie, besties. The other relationships that we have struggled defining is romantic relationships. And everyone has this countdown to 30 where everyone needs to be married with kids. Now I'm not going to pretend that I don't have those same concerns. Like I said, I'm 28 years old. I'll be 29 in March. I've been in a relationship for over five years. 
we've had those conversations. I personally know approximately the time when he will be proposing, but that doesn't change the fact that we have all these questions from other people. And one day I had to turn to him and say, look, I don't care what anybody else says. I trust you and I trust the vision that we have. We've always taken our time in our relationship, whether it's the fact that we're not having sex or whether it's the fact that we courted for a year before things got official or, or the fact that we were long distance and we kind of stuck it out because we knew that time was on our side. Those things were important to us. So if you're in a relationship and you feel like there's a rush to get to marriage, let me tell you something right now. Being married just is the beginning. And there are so many people that find themselves at 26, 27, 28 divorced because they were in a rush to get married and have kids by 30. What I've discovered that's beautiful about the time that we're in right now is that we're all getting married, or we should be, for love and support. That wasn't always the case for our parents. Some of our parents got married because that's what they were expected to do. Some of our parents got married because they were pregnant and, and they just wanted to, to have someone to help them with their kids. Some got married because they felt they had no choice because they had no education or they never had a vision for themselves. We're now in the age where I, have, I only have one friend. I'm 28 and I only have maybe one or two friends that are married. All my other friends are either single or in a relationship still figuring things out. And yes, I have friends that have been engaged for a year and they get married. I've got friends that have been dating for seven years and they're still not married. But you gotta go at your own pace. And that includes the people that aren't in relationships. I'm not saying that there's love for every person. I'm not saying that every person's going to get married. But what I am going to say is that we're in an age where you can live a fulfilling life with or without a relationship. If, it's in, if God has a plan for you, then there's nothing you can do to speed it up. Being impatient about the fact that you have no relationship doesn't speed it up. Being upset that you're single doesn't suddenly bring a man to your door. It doesn't happen like that. So the best thing that you can do is work on yourself. And if somebody comes, that's great. But if not, take yourself out on dates, hang out, find, discover new things. You know, make friends. This is the, the time where you're supposed to be discovering yourself and, and the people around you and creating that circle that makes you feel loved and supported. And it doesn't have to be a relationship. And nine times out of 10, when someone is telling me that they want a relationship, what I hear is I'm bored or I'm lonely. And you don't need a man or a woman to fill that hole for you. You can get a hobby and you can get some friends. You don't have to wait until you're in a relationship to live your life. I've got a lot of friends that, you know, I have a friend that traveled to Europe by herself. I've got friends that kind of link up and, you know, travel together. There are people traveling and saving money and hustling and living life. You are missing out on life if you define yourself by whether or not you're in a relationship. The next thing is, you know, 20-something is struggled with defining their purpose or the path to that purpose. And what I want to say, and I kind of, I have a podcast episode about discovering your purpose, but the thing is that you don't have just one purpose. You have multiple purposes. You have a purpose as a student, a purpose in your job, a purpose as a child of your parents, a purpose in your career or in your passion. You have multiple purposes. And it's not like if you don't figure one thing out that your entire life will fall apart. That's not how it works. What God has for you, God has for you. You don't miss out on your purpose. You don't miss a train. You could delay your purpose. You could make mistakes that get you off track. But a lot of the issues that I see with 20-somethings is that we define our purpose by our job or our relationship. 
And God tells us that our purpose is often connected to how we serve the church. So if you're not actively seeking a relationship with God, or if you're not having conversations that are helping people get closer to God, that's another way to miss out on your purpose. I feel like we're looking at the wrong stuff. You can have a high paying job and not be walking in your purpose. You can have a relationship, even a good one, that is distracting you from your purpose. If God is calling you to do something and you're not doing it because you're so wrapped up in love and you, you don't have any other ambition other than to be this person's spouse, you could be missing out on your purpose. The idea that at 20 something you have one purpose and if you don't figure it out, you're a failure is ridiculous. So the last thing I wanna say is something that 20 something struggle with is the idea that you have to define yourself at all. I think that the reason why, you know, I think it's a mistake to think that you have to have it all figured out at, at 20 is because you're always changing. And to be successful, you should aim to be flexible. Because being stuck in who you are at 25 means that when you're 40, you end up with a midlife crisis because you convinced yourself that you are who you are at 25 and you feel like a failure if you deviate from that plan. So if you decided at 25 that you should be a doctor and here you are at 40, miserable, you committed your entire life to your career and you feel like you have nothing to show for it. But God told you when you were 30 that maybe you need to shift from being a doctor to maybe teaching. Or maybe you need to take the shift from being um, a private practice to going into the emergency room. Like, you gotta listen to God. You can't tell God who you are. God will reveal to you who he wants you to be. So being stubborn means that you won't allow yourself to move when God wants you to move. You don't know who you are and that is okay. You need to leave yourself open to God showing you who you are. God's purpose is to help you discover your purpose. He's there to help you discover your purpose and your power over time. So if someone think, I, I, I shudder to think about the people who think that at 25, just because they maybe stack some bread or just because they got a little bit of clout or a little notoriety, that this is who they are, period. And you feel pigeonholed because there might be new opportunities that you're turning down because you've decided, no, this is who I am. I remember I thought I was gonna be a doctor. My older sister is a doctor. And even now my mom jokes about how she thought I was gonna be a doctor. But I'm living my life so much happier as an attorney. Like, I cannot believe that at one point I, I was taking classes in college. I was taking science classes that I hated. I eventually dropped them, thank God. But I can't believe that there was a point where I was like willing to give myself a D because I was stuck. I had to be a doctor. I get passionate because I think back about all the times where I thought I knew who I was supposed to be. And God is like, look, I have a plan for you. And you tell God, nah, I got this. When you say, I have to figure it out on my own. When you're not seeking God and where you're not paying attention to the other lives that people lived as a lesson, you miss out on the chance to live authentically who you are. You do not have to define yourself at 20 something. In fact, it is often foolish to do so because who you are today is going to change. And if you find yourself at 40 with the same ambition and goal as when you were 20, that is a problem. Constantly you should be growing. Constantly you should be finding new things to discover about yourself. Allow yourself the space to be passionate 
Allow yourself the space to have fun and discover who you are. Life is supposed to be fun. I am begging you, beloved. I am on my knees begging you not to limit the, the blessings that God has for you by telling God who you're supposed to be. By telling God, I must be married at 30. When you tell God that, God will give you amen. If that's what you want, there is so many men or women out here fast and loose and free, and I'm not talking about sexually, I mean running around, frolicking. <laughs> There's so many people out here, if you just want somebody, they're out here. But if you're looking for a partner, it might take time, and that is okay. I thank God that I am going as slow as we need to, and that I don't feel bad about where I am in my relationship. And I'm not gonna lie, there were times where I was like, yo, why aren't we engaged yet? And I sit here now at 28 and I know exactly why God is going on his pace and why the place that we are now is so much better than where we were last year or the year before. Because the beginning of 2017 was rough for us. And now where we are, like it feels like when we first started dating. And I cannot believe that there was a part of, you know, when I listen to people try to tell me that you need to be married by 30, nonsense, nonsense. I'll close it out with saying this. There is an air of desperation that I see in 20-somethings. Desperate to catch up. Desperate to define. Desperate to hurry up and get to the finish line. But operating out of desperation means you're motivated by fear. It means you're in survival mode rather than focusing on thriving. I encourage you to stop living life desperately desperately grasping at any kind of sense of approval from somebody else or grasping for somebody else telling you how you're supposed to live your life. Feeling desperate is when you make choices that can take you out of the path of God because you're desperate to have a career or desperate to have a relationship or desperate to have kids and you end up making dumb choices that distract you from the purpose that God has for you. And no, like I said, you're never going to be able to get off track of where, you know, you can't get in the way of the purpose God has for you. But you can mean that you get away from your purpose at 20, at 30, and you don't catch up to it until you're 60. And then you're 60 looking back like, man, if I had just slowed down, I would have been where, you know, that's when regret sets in. Don't look back on your 20-somethings with regret. Allow this to be the time for exploration and discovery and fun have fun, cook something that you've never thought about cooking, try a different cuisine, you know, hang out with old friends that maybe you forgot about because they keep you humble and remind you of that time when you were in middle school and your glasses fell off, you know, like, and in front of the whole school, like whatever, you know, the things that keep you humble, that, that keep you laughing, like, we add this stress, unnecessary stress of what life is supposed to be and I feel like God is like, look, Pay attention, listen to me. I know how to give you joy. And rather than seeking success, seek joy. I promise you that 20 something is a pivotal time, but you don't have to rush through it. And if you find yourself no longer being 20 and now you're 30 and you feel like you've wasted your 20s, impossible. Because exactly where you are right now is where you need to be. There are so many lessons that you can learn in 10 years to make your 30s some of the best times of your lives. And I'm telling you, I have my friends that are now, we're all approaching 30, 
this, the type of traveling that they're doing, the kind of side hustles that they're doing, the kind of passion projects that they're doing, the kind of the idea that they worked hard in their 20s and now they got a little bank to, to spend a little bit, to, to share the wealth, to invest. I'm telling you that the 30s are an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be in. You know, and the idea that if you don't have it figured out at 20 only serves to give you anxiety. You've got time. You have time to figure it out. Allow God to enter in your heart and help you to see the joy in life. You don't have to have the answers figured out. And if you think you have the answers, you're wrong. You'll realize in five years that you were wrong. Because the best way to make God laugh is to tell him your plans. You got to open your eyes to what God is trying to show you. You got to open your eyes and realize that no one has a perfect life. And you have to open your eyes and understand that you don't need to have this air of desperation, desperate to be married with kids and have a job. Slow down. Slow down. And open yourself up to the possibilities and remain flexible. For the last part of the podcast, I am going to answer a question that somebody sent in to me. I'm going to do it rather quickly because I know that we're running over time. I like to keep these episodes under an hour, so I apologize for going over. But if you can hear from the last section, I do tend to get very passionate about these things. So I apologize for going over, but hopefully it's been enjoyable for you to listen to this. So I got a question anonymously to my blog, which is yourbigsisnisi.tumblr.com. And the question is, tips on how to discern God's plan, purpose, intent, path for your life career-wise? I'm 25 and floundering. I ask to be led in the right direction, but still feel like I'm stumbling in the dark. I'm here to tell you that it's always going to feel like you're stumbling in the dark. What I mean is, I think that people think that a relationship with God means that you figured out the secret to figuring out all of your life. And what happens when my relationship with God is that God would often show me the first step and then he orders my next step. So what I mean is, God will put it in my ear that I should be an attorney. But once I get to law school, he's gonna set up different opportunities for me to figure out what kind of attorney I want to be. Or God is going to put it in my heart that I should get back into volunteering. So he's going to lead me to a website. I was just joking with that same friend that I went to dinner with um, that I said we have, were friends since middle school. And we were talking about that State Farm commercial, you know, that it really hit us. And the both of us talked about, we joked about how after we saw that commercial where it was like, don't, they were singing, don't you forget about me, was about how it's still important to volunteer even after the holidays. So God will put it in my heart to volunteer but won't tell me exactly what those next steps are. So what I will say is that when you're looking for God to reveal himself to you, don't look for the whole plan because God will never give you the whole plan. If God gave us the whole plan, then we wouldn't need him. And God will show us the first step and then you have to constantly turn back to God and say, is this the right step? Okay, then how do I get the next step? Is this the right step? Okay, then what's the next step? He will reveal himself in those bits because it means that we have to turn back to him. The moment that you think that you have the next 25 years figured out is the mistake because it means that you've decided, because God's not gonna tell you what the next 25 years looks like. He's going to show you or maybe put in your spirit that it should go in a certain direction. But if you start nailing yourself to one specific plan, you're gonna miss out or you're gonna be unprepared when something changes and you're gonna feel completely thrown off. 
you know so if you've decided that you're going to be in one career and you get laid off of a job you'll completely get thrown off because you weren't listening when god said that it doesn't you know you should turn back to me and i'll order your steps what i will say is that the biggest thing in addition to thinking, you know, it's a mistake to think that God's going to show you the whole plan, is that a lot of us don't turn to God first. We turn to God when something goes wrong. So what we need to be doing is when you get a job that you're applying to and you get a job offer, you need to pray on it before you accept. Or if you're in a situation where you're applying to a job, you should pray about that as well. You know, I think that the best way to know God's intent in your life is to know him. And so God is never going to tell you to pick a career that doesn't line up with what he has for you. So if you're reading the word and you see that there's certain kinds of work that you're drawn to, God is not going to be contradictory and he's not going to tell you to take a job that's going to put you in positions to sin or he's going to put you in a place that's going to make you feel damaged to your spirit. So you have to get to know God first, know the God that you serve, know the kind of work. You know, for me, purpose through God is always related to how you're helping other people. God never just wants us to, to be successful on our own. He wants us always to reach back and help other people. So if you're wondering if this career path is for you and is connected to God's plan for you, if it's not connected to a way to help other people, and I don't just mean, you, you don't have to just be like a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher. You know, you can also serve God by, you know, working at McDonald's or, or being in a, a, the service industry. If you know that in this position, you can provide joy to people by providing food or providing excellent service. You know, there's, there's dignity in all hard work. So I would just say, you know, don't look for the entire plan, except that there's going to be times when you're in the dark, because that's how God is. He's never going to show you all of his cards. He's never going to show you the entire plan. He's going to show you just enough so that you know the first step to make. But you always need to check in with God. Yes, you told me to take this job position. Okay, now I'm gonna pray on how I should conduct myself. How should I act when I'm at this job? Dear Lord, there's a conflict that I'm having with the coworker. Let me pray to you about it before I go to a manager. Like, these are the things that you need to be constantly turning back to God and understand that it's not about the final conversation of God dictating your life. It's about how you open yourself up to a relationship with God. So it's a constant conversation about the next steps to take. So that's it, beloved. We're now at the end of this episode. I hope that you found this episode to be interesting, to say the least. If there is a 20-something out there that you think would be benefited by listening to this podcast episode, please share it. If you haven't done so already, like the podcast, um, if through on Instagram or on Twitter, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud, all of the things you can do to support. I really do enjoy having these kinds of conversations. I'm looking more forward to, in 2018, having these real talk conversations. Some of the topics that I've been avoiding talking about have been things like relationships and sex and dating and things like that. And I might do a series in February. I'm waiting on something to happen in my life before I go out saying certain things because I just want... For my own sanity, before I reveal some of the things that I've been working on in my relationship, I need us to get to a certain point and then I'll like share how we got to that point. 
Um, you know, and I will be interviewing my boyfriend at some point on this podcast, not necessarily about relationship stuff, but you know, just so that he can, cause he's part of the reason why I have this podcast. He provided the seed money for me to start it up. And I really do um, appreciate him continually supporting me. So, um, there's a lot of great things happening in 2018. I'm still working on this book that I will have out to you guys by the end of January. Um, and it's not an extensive book, but it's a little bit of a guided, uh, Bible study, a little bit of help with mental or spiritual and self-care. If you listen to this podcast, you know the kind of things that I'm passionate about. So you can kind of guess the kind of thing that's about to be released to you guys that you guys can have to purchase to help support the podcast. So there's a lot of good things happening in 2018. As always, if you want to shoot me an email, you can send it to strengthenshieldpodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to the next episode, which should be in about 14 days. So until then, take care of yourself, beloved.